Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church located in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you will hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a message from our lead pastor, Derek Ross. All right, well, good morning. Happy New Year. Here we are. We're starting off our uh, year, 21 days of prayer and fasting. Today's day number seven. If you've not joined us yet, I mean, I know this is the first Sunday, but if you've not been reading along with us, we've got more of the booklets that we're reading together as a church out there at the Welcome Center. You can grab those. We've been sharing them uh, online, Facebook. And so there's just something special that happens when we begin the year together, focusing in on the same things. Now, we know that prayer and fasting is not mystical and it's not magical, uh, but God does miraculous things when we focus on him. Amen? Four people are with me that have enough energy to still say amen, you know, get some uh, things going, whatever you got to do, drink some booyong, I don't know, whatever it is. Uh, Whatever God's uh, asked you to fast in this time, uh, as we know throughout scripture, people would do this. They would set aside physical desires in order to focus on spiritual needs. And uh, we're a people that needs to hear from the Lord again this year. Amen. And so we're excited for that. I do my best to preach as prophetically as I can in these 21 days. Throughout the year, preach as best I can what I feel like God is saying. Uh, But there's something that happens. I appreciate you giving me the leeway to kind of clear my schedule a little bit in these weeks and not taking many other meetings and uh, those kind of things. Just extra hours. I understand that it's a blessing and privilege that I've been given in this time. Many of you have jobs that don't allow you, you know, noon prayer, we're open at noon every day in the chapel, Monday through Friday during these times. And uh, many of our staff, we get to go in there. So we consider it an honor. Thank you for allowing us to do that. I know many of you have jobs where you're not able to do that. And so you're figuring out when you can set aside more time to meet with the Lord. But I know whether it's a little bit of time or a lot of time, he always honors our efforts to meet with him. And so I just encourage you in that, do that again. As usually is the case with us in these 21 days, the Lord typically gives me a word. Sometimes it's an actual word or a holistic word for the year. It kind of sets the course. I'm not somebody who sits there at Christmas and is, you know, dreaming about what word looks cool, like on my board. Maybe some of you do that. That's awesome, whatever. Uh, but, but we received, I believe, while we were in Kazakhstan, we received the word, the trajectory of the year for us. And if you were here on Scoreboard Sunday, Pastor Josh mentioned, by the way, isn't Pastor Josh still crazy? Uh, Anyway, he mentioned on the deal, Scoreboard Sunday coming up January 21st, so you don't want to miss it. But our last Scoreboard Sunday was, the thing was power of testimony. We talked about aduth, and aduth is the Hebrew word that simply means, God do it. Well, you guys were all here. Or you know how to read. <laughs> I don't, is it still up there? Okay, yeah, it is. Okay, God do it. Again, it's right there. God do it again with the same power and the same authority. It's the Hebrew word for testimony. And when we share testimony, we're not just saying what God did in our life. We're building faith in the hearer because as we say what he did in us, what we're really saying is God do it again for them. God do it again for you. Do it again in the same power and authority. So that's why it's so important that we share our testimony and we're talking about that. So really throughout the year, but especially in these 21 days, I'm gonna be talking about a dooth, God do it again, amen? 
So here we see it there in your notes. Next week, by the way, is going to be a physical healing emphasis. It'll make a little bit more sense when I do the three points here today, those categories. So if there's a physical need in your life, a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, I encourage you, bring them next week, and we're going to believe that God is going to do a great thing as we focus in on physical healing. We say, God, do it again when it comes to this area of physical healing. But today, uh, we're in Psalm 126. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. If you're able, would you stand to your feet? Welcome to those watching, worshiping online. Uh, here we go. Psalm 126. This passage is out of, some people always ask me, what are you reading, Pastor? I'm reading uh, through the New Living Translation this year, Pastor Vicente's favorite translation. Today, I'm preaching from the Message Translation because... Look at how it starts this verse. And now God do it again. I just felt like that had to be our opening text, our opening verse for this year as we're uh, saying, God, lead us in the way you want us to go. So here's what we read. Psalm 126, verses four to six. The Bible reads like this. And now God do it again. Bring rains to our drought-stricken lives. So those who planted their crops in despair will shout yes at the harvest. Or if you're an upper Midwest Norwegian Lutheran, you'll think, awesome. <laughs> Come on, this, that they will shout yes at the harvest. So those who went off with heavy hearts will come home laughing with armloads of blessings titled this morning's message, And Now. Most honestly, just because that's how the verse starts, and I couldn't think of anything cooler to title it, so that's what we're talking about. Now, God, do it again. Amen. Let's pray together, and then we'll uh, preach a little bit. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we've been given to gather and lift high the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. We set aside extra time at the beginning of the year to focus our thoughts and our attention on you. And we know you honor our pursuit of you because you pursued us by giving your son, Jesus, paying the ultimate price for us. So Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear what you're saying. Help nobody leave the same, but all of us more like you, Lord Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. How many people love the start of a new year? Come on, it's brand new. Uh, our kids went back to school. That's a praise report right there, getting back on schedule. Uh, we love, the kids love new shoes or new clothes that they got for Christmas. Our kids are now at the stage, age of life, where they're enjoying new clothes. You know, some when they were younger and grandma got them a sweater, they're like, oh, that's a gift. Uh, but now they're at the age where they're like excited, new clothes, wear their fresh fit to school, whatever it is, I don't know. Um, but... But it's also a time for like a fresh diet. And, and fasting is not a diet uh, because we're, we're not just not eating something, but we're focusing on what God has to say to us. But I love the new year because it gives me a built-in time where I no longer have to feel bad about eating the generous blessings of you, the church. What I mean, like in October, it starts with Pastor Appreciation Month and into Christmas. Somebody's always baking cookies or brownies. Occasionally it's gluten-free for those people on staff, but there's always treats up in the office. And I feel bad because I believe in good stewardship. And I feel like if there's a pie on the counter, it's my duty as a good steward of the blessing of the Lord to partake in his goodness. And so you keep baking things and I keep eating things. And what happens 
is I come to January 1 and I either buy a new belt or I do prayer and fasting. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just the reality. So I love the new year because what I do is I just get out a big garbage can. And this goes for the same thing at home because we have on the counters just where cookies and sweets start piling up. We just set out the garbage can and I just take my arm like this and I just scoop it, boom, 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 falling off. It's like a snow plow on my kitchen counter, you know? And I just scoop all the sweets right into the garbage can. And now I don't have to feel bad. I remove temptation because if I see it, I'm going to want to eat it. So the new year, I love it. I love this time of new year and new and new and fresh. However, I don't want to be so focused on things that are new that I overlook things that are old especially when it comes to the things of God. Now we're seeing this in our society though, is we've been told everything is new and we're learning more and blah, blah, blah. But but we're kind of seeing, I think, an appropriate pendulum swing back away from let's continue to think and believe and change new. Let's go back to some things that we know, like we ought to know what's going on in our world. The same is true, I believe, spiritually. Now let me just talk about in my lifetime over the last four decades, We've grown up in the assemblies of God, but I would just categorize churches in America, at least when I grew up, we were charismatic, Pentecostal, that type of deal. So I'll share a post about that in a little bit. That, that was how I grew up. Then in the late 90s, 2000s, we had what was called the seeker-sensitive movement. And what we did is we began to back away from some of the things that we had always believed. We began to back away from gifts of the Spirit because we weren't sure if other people thought we were weird. I mean, we, we are, but I'm just saying we, we began to get worried that they would think we're weird. I don't know if you noticed, the world still thinks Christians are weird, whether you're Pentecostal, charismatic, or secret sensitive or whatever. It's like, we believe in an invisible God who sent his son, left heaven, came to earth, was born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, was tempted like we were, didn't sin, died on a cross, was buried in a borrowed tomb, stayed there three days, and then was risen by the power of God and then ascended back to heaven, and he's coming back. We're kind of weird. So why would we let a few gifts of the Spirit get in the way? But that's what happened. We were like, we're going to be seeker sensitive. And then from that, a few years back, maybe a decade, I saw what I would like to describe as the authentic movement, which really, I'm not sure the big difference between authentic and seeker sensitive, other than I feel like pastors began to apologize for what we say we believe. Now... The next iteration, Gen Z, sometimes I'll dip out from prayer gathering on Wednesday night and I'll slip over to the youth service and I just want to see what God is doing because I'm so inspired. I think they're what I would call unashamed. So we went from Pentecostal charismatic to seeker sensitive to apologetic, authentic. Now they're unashamed. We used to submit prayer requests in the seeker sensitive movement like, I'm asking for a friend, it's an unspoken request. What did that mean? We're asking for ourselves, but we're too ashamed to tell everybody we got struggles. We know what you meant, okay? We know what you meant. Now, kids are like, I'm struggling with this. And you're just like, why are you just saying it in front of everybody? There's like 150 other students in the room. I'm the pastor. And I'm like, wow, look at them. They're unashamed. But I don't want to leave it just to the next generation. I want all of us as adults to kind of return to the old things. The stuff where we just lived out what we say we believe. This past week, I mean, well, a couple weeks ago for Christmas, somebody in the church got me this as a Christmas gift. It says, be careful or you'll end up in my sermon, which the funny thing is I have multiple mugs in my office that say the same thing because apparently 
Nobody knows what to get me, so they get me that. But anyway, um, somebody in the church, her name is Elisa. She posted something on social media this week, and so I'm going to put it on the screen for everybody to see. By the way, um, just want to mention, hold on, take it back down. Don't tell you yet. I'm going to get to it in a second. Back, yeah, there we go. Because they're going to read what she had to say, and I'm still trying to talk. Okay. Um, <laughs> let me just give a little word of advice to you. If you put it on public social media, it's public people will see it. I've seen some people, they complain because they complained about their job on social media. Then that job was removed from them. And then they complained about the, listen, it's public. So everything you post could show up on this screen. Just be careful or you'll end up in my sermon. But I asked her, so it's okay. It's a good thing. So I did ask her. And this is what she posted because this is, it just resonated with my spirit. I mentioned it to our pastors on Monday. I just felt like this is echoing what I'm feeling in my spirit. Now we can put up the picture. She said, she quoted Mark chapter 16. These signs will accompany. It's a Bible verse, by the way. It's in the word. Therefore, we ought to believe it. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak in new tongues. They'll pick up servants. I don't really like that part. I just choose to avoid them. And if they drink anything deadly, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will get well. Come on, somebody. That's good encouragement right there. And she goes on to say, this is how I grew up. This is what I've witnessed, what I believe. And there was a time in my life when you couldn't sneeze around me without me praying the sickness away, laughy face emoji. God used me and many I grew up with to prophesy truth and minister healing. I would add in the word, however. Over time, honestly, I became disillusioned because there have been so many false prophets, so many who just wanted a title, so many who glorified talent over truth or anointing, position seekers and downright mean Christians. I allowed people to disappoint and I lost my zeal for the supernatural, my passion for prophecy and prophetic songs. I allowed my disappointment in the created to cloud my view from the creator. Anybody else identify with that frustration, that admission? But I declare in 2024, she said, these signs will accompany because I believe in Jesus' name. So come on, let's just join in that. I, I wanna be that type of people that type of pastor, that type of believer. We used to sing that song, give me that old time legend. We didn't even say re, we just said legend. <laughs> it's good enough for me. I wanna do the old stuff again. I'll be honest with you, my prayer this year is not to come up with something new that you've never heard before. I just wanna go back to the old stuff that we've experienced before. Uh, that we've seen work. What a, in my own life, I've seen him do miracles. I, I've experienced his restoring power and I wanna see him do it again with the same power and authority. A do. So that's what we're talking about here today. If you're new to celebrations, your first time with 21 days of prayer and fasting, you're thinking, man, the pastor is kind of intense. Yep, you can be too. Praise the Lord. Here we go. Number one, right out of these verses, Psalm 126 Here's what we're really asking for. We're praying, God, do it again spiritually. The verse begins by saying, bring rains on our drought-stricken lives. If I could give a sub-point or a continuation of this first one, I hope you're taking notes. You'll write it down. It says, God, do it again spiritually. This is something in us, in us. God, do it again spiritually 
in us. I love starting these every year with 21 days of prayer and fasting, something significant about putting down the desires of the physical body to pick up the longings of our soul and spirit. God always meets us in correlation to our seeking. Um, I used to always say, I, I'm, I don't look forward to fasting. By the way, I still don't look forward to not eating because I love eating. I love thinking about eating. I love talking about what I'm going to eat. Last night, I was watching shows on YouTube about foods to buy at Costco. And my wife's like, what are you doing? I was like torturing myself. I know, but, but I'm ready. You know, uh, January 21st, I almost said February 21st. The devil is a liar. January 21st is coming. I'm ready. I know what I'm going to do. I'm ready, but uh, we, we, we need these kind of things. But, but I can honestly say I look forward to fasting prayer and fasting, because fasting's not, not a diet. It's not about just saying, I, I need my clothes to, to fit better, although uh, I'm testimony that's already happening. But, but I know in my hunger, he meets me. I, I've been waiting all week to gather with the people of God during this time. It, it's something that I, I can't even explain to other people around the country. There's just something that happens when we gather together, when, even at PG, when we began. It's just, we just know God will meet to us, will we, we, meet with us, and what we receive from him is always greater than what we give up during this time. So I just encourage you, if you haven't been fasting with us, pick something now, pray about it, and just join in. Today's day seven. It can be day one for you, but uh, it's going to be a great thing. How many of us, you don't have to respond, I know many of you wouldn't anyway, but how many of us have been through tough times spiritually, right? We would echo this. God, bring rains to our drought-stricken lives. We were in times where we felt like we just couldn't hear from God. When we open the word, it's just no different than any encyclopedia. It wasn't living and breathing to us. Maybe we struggled to even open up the word. And if we did, we wouldn't know where to begin. We just felt dry spiritually or hard. All of us, I think, have been there a time or two before. Maybe some are even there today. We love the high moments spiritually, those camp altar moments and church service prayer meetings. We love those moments, but all of us, if we were honest, have days where spiritually speaking, the birds aren't chirping and the sun isn't shining. It's a continual overcast, spiritually speaking. Maybe some of us have even gone through extended seasons of spiritual drought in our lives where we began to question God consider giving up on our faith altogether. Desert seasons are drought-stricken seasons, and we've all been there. As mentioned, maybe some of you even feel that way here today, but you're not here by accident or happenstance. God wanted you here today. His Spirit brought you here to this place today to let you know that today can be your day. We're going to pray, God, do it again spiritually Yes, in you as well. You can't go another day feeling like it's just another day without rain, another week without feeling the presence of the Lord, without receiving the help of the Holy Spirit. The good news for you, friends, is God did it before and he'll do it again for you today. 
prophet Isaiah said it this way in Isaiah 43 and verse 16. This is what the Lord says. That means that's more important than what your pastor says. It's more important than what your president says. It's more important than what the newspaper says. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through mighty waters, who drew out chariots and horses, the armies and reinforcements together, and then lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I believe if you're in a wilderness season, he'll make a way for you today. I think our English words or translation often gets in our way of understanding the meaning or the context of prophetic words in scripture. We can hear, forget the former thing and automatically think, discard the old stuff. It's not what he's referring to. It was, it was a pattern or saying that it had to be the same uh, pattern or way, but it was the same thing. Look at this. He was doing the old thing in a new way. What did he talk about there? The one who made a way through the sea, a path through mighty waters. That's when he parted the Red Sea. Remember the Israelites were leaving Egypt and I'll talk about this at the end. Moses lifted up the staff and the Red Sea parted and the Israelites walked through on dry land and the waters closed up and defeated the Egyptian armies and God made a way for the children of Israel where there seemed to be no way. What was he saying? Now I'll do a new thing. You don't have to have it the exact same way but you need the exact same thing the provision that only God can provide. He said, I'll make a way in the wilderness. I'll bring streams in the wasteland. What's he saying? I'll do for you what you cannot do for yourself. So I don't really want a new thing. I just want the old thing in a new way. (laughs) A do, God do it again with the same power and authority. You see, it's nothing new for the people of God to go through dry times. You for sure aren't the first one to feel trapped with no way out. And we're definitely taking our place in a long line of folks who needed God to intervene in our lives in a major way. And that's what we're believing for this morning, amen. That's what we're asking God for during these 21 days. This is what we're agreeing for in prayer right now, that God would do it again and bring spiritual rain to our dry souls today. And when I'm done preaching, we're gonna respond. Many of us will come to the altar, maybe make our place, our chair and altar, or aisles or moving back. I, I don't know what it is. You can respond how you want, but I found there's something significant about taking a physical step of faith, a physical action that indicates a spiritual intention that says, God, I'm moving from where I am to where you are. And he's with us wherever we are. We can meet with him in our seat, on our drive home, in our bedroom, at our place of work. But there's something about intentionally saying, this is what I'm doing. So if you're able at the end of service, I'm gonna ask you to move from where you are to somewhere else and meet with him. If you're dry, ask him to do it again. But maybe you're great and you're like, I've never felt better. Praise the Lord for you. Why not ask him to do it again, even greater today? Because he's not done. He's still got more that he can do, more that he can give and reveal in Jesus' name. Why not ask him to do it again for somebody else like he's done in your life? In fact, when you leave at each of the black painted walls, when you leave in the lobby, if you do like a little U-turn, We've got some name tags, some sticky paper, and some Sharpie marker. A couple of weeks ago, my wife Dana was praying, and, and she felt like the Lord say, in the new year, ask for the bold. Ask for the bold. We don't want to pray safe prayers anymore. You know, God, heal the boo-boo on my little toe. 
I mean, that's not wrong. I'm just saying if you got a boo-boo on your little toe, pray for it. But let's say God, God save like all my family. Not, not a safe prayer. It's like God save a percentage. I was thinking about that as I was doing my devotions this week, reading and, 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 and Noah gave up and, and just didn't ask God for any more. Like, let's just ask God for all of them. Abraham, I don't know why I said Noah. It's okay. I've read the Bible a lot of it. Don't worry. Some of you are like, that's not the Bible story. Leave me alone. I know what I said. I just, I'm fasting. Sometimes stuff gets confusing. All right. We're going to ask for the bold. I know many of you have significant needs in your life, family members that need to uh, be forgiven by the Lord and physical need. Let, let's write it down. And there's something about putting ink to the paper it says, God, this is what we're believing for. You don't have to put your name on it, but we're going to be praying every week for those needs. It's every day as we come through as staff and anybody, we're going to be praying for those needs. That's why it's sticky. And we're going to celebrate what God does because we're believing that this year, Aduth, God's going to do it again in the same power and authority. I've seen him do it in my life and yours, and we're going to believe that he'll do it again. All right, number two, the next part of the verse, I believe we're asking him to do it again financially. Those who planted their crops in despair will shout yes at the harvest. God do it again financially. If you want to know the sub point of the continuation, God do it again financially for us. We're asking him to do it spiritually in us, but now this is something that I believe he wants to do for us. This is the law of sowing and reaping. I once heard a farmer tell me that the most significant day for the harvest is the day you plant the seed. I don't know that much about farming. I was like, I think the most significant day is the day we harvest. He's like, that's why you're not a farmer. <laughs> Stick to preaching. <laughs> I was like, amen. But anyway, there's something about setting something aside. Human nature fights this principle. We don't like sowing and reaping. We just like reaping. Right now, some of you also don't have farming in your family background. Mine's a few generations back. I'll talk about that at the end. But some of you are like, Pastor, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. Let me give you another way to illustrate how normal Americans struggle with this idea of sowing and reaping. It's called delayed gratification. Giving up something today so that you could have more 30 years from now. I was going to say tomorrow, but let's be honest. If you invest in retirement for tomorrow, it's a little bit too late. You know what I'm saying? But farmers know this. They're sowing seed, believing that the harvest will grow. It will increase. It will multiply. And later on, they'll have more. But they know they can't eat the seed now. But most Americans, study tell us, are consumed with eating our seed. We want what we want and we want it now. Or what we, we want what our parents got, but we want it now instead of 30 years after working full time. That's okay, that'll preach to the other service. Don't worry about it. I'm gonna come over to this side because y'all were offended that I said that. But <laughs> Delayed gratification. Here's another word to just make the rest of the room mad. It's called a budget. It's actually quite simple. Right, Clifton? Like, all you got to do is spend less than you make. That's it. There's no other tip, trick, recommendation you need. What goes out has to be less than what comes in. It's very easy or simple. Which one did I say? It's simple. 
but it's not easy. See, that's the problem. I'm fasting. I can't remember what I said and what I didn't say. We know what the truth is, and yet all of us, or many Americans, we struggle with it, right? So that's one of the things that I would just want to mention. It's the new year. It's a great time to just start over, and this is a great time to set up new family goals for the year. Talk about it. No matter what happened in the last year, you can start over right now. It's the great thing about being in a new year. You can set aside time as a family and say, what do we want to do? Now, if you need help because it's easy but not simple, reach out. If you send us an email, we got people here who like, they know what they're doing. They will help you make a budget. It'll be their gift to you to help you on this journey because there's something about hearing from somebody else. I've been there. We've done that. You can make it. Sometimes it helps to have somebody else tell you, you can make it. You can do it. Because sometimes we're like, oh, I don't I'm going to do. And we need somebody that's been there for a few decades longer to be like, you'll do the same thing we did. You'll get through it. You just got to do some stuff you don't like, right? But God, do it again financially. This is something for us. Now, even when we talked about this point, Pastor Vicente, a man of faith and power, maybe slightly less faith than Pastor Josh. Did you hear that? Pastor Josh thinks the Vikings are going to be in the Super Bowl. I don't think it's going to be this one, but praise the Lord. If it happens, you heard it first from Pastor Josh, (laughs) but I don't think it's going to happen, but there's always next year. The new year, Vikings fans, we love a new year. We're ready because it could be our year. Amen. So it could be as soon as we figure out who our quarterback's going to be or healthy or whatever it is, but that's okay. We don't know. Jeff, don't laugh. You're a Broncos fan. Y'all got bigger problems than we do. Leave me alone. (laughs) Pastor Vicente said, well, Pastor... Are we sure we want to say, God, do it again financially? You know, some people, what was he saying? I said, Pastor Vicente, did you not listen when I read to you what Elisa posted online? The reason we're worried as pastors about saying something as biblical as God, do it again financially is because we're worried that other people have perverted it and therefore we got to be quiet about it. Listen, there's a big difference between name it, claim it, you need another private jet to show you have faith, and the truth that says God's children won't be forsaken. Look, look, this is what we said here. There's a principle that God will bring increase. Now, I know this is talking about spiritual growth, but the principle is the same when it comes to financial growth because really this whole passage is talking about financial provision that we're reading in Psalms. There's no other way to look at an increase of harvest. You're crying because you're sowing, but you're laughing when you're reaping. Like what he's saying is you got more. So since the whole passage is about more, let me just show you there's there's a process. Paul said it this way to his letter to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter three and verse six. I planted, Paul said, Apollos watered, but God made it grow. What was he saying? That's a spiritual process. He's saying we've got to do our part, but it's God that's going to bring the growth. You know, farmers understand this. They know when to till the soil. They know when to plant the seed. They know how much rain they need. And if they don't get the rain, they supplement it with irrigation. They've got a plan for what they're going to do. But there's not been a farmer to date that has figured out how to make stuff grow. All we can do is put ourselves or put the seed in conditions that are conducive for growing. Listen, friends, you need to come up with the business plan. You need to come up with what's going to happen. But if God doesn't wake you up tomorrow, putting breath in your lungs, no business plan is going to bring growth in your life. 
That's not a threat. I'm just saying we need to do our part, but then we've got to be dependent upon him to do his part. And the truth is we see throughout scripture, God miraculously provides finances for his children. And the only reason we've shied away from it is because other people have jacked it up. So much so that even Pastor Vicente is like, oh, Pastor, I don't know if you want to say that. We need God to come through on his part. Now, I know many in the room are struggling financially, figuring out how stuff's going to happen. Uh, I don't hear about all the uh, benevolence requests that we get, needs from people in the church and in the community. I just uh, recently, though, was told it's more requests in any month than since before COVID. Just one of the things I don't like being involved with who's, you know, getting money for help or what's going on. But uh, our team does that, led by Pastor Dan. But, but what, that, what does that mean? It means a lot of people, it's not just one or two, a lot of people are struggling right now. So why would we skip over the truth of God's word that he'll, uh, if you plant crops in despair, you'll shout yes at the harvest. That, that's an encouraging word to people who are like, I need a harvest, <laughs> But you know, it's not just people in our church, it's people in the community. As soon as we open back up after the new year, Pastor Dan said, we're getting phone calls over left and right from people in the community going, we need help with this bill and that and what's going on. And so we understand it's a real issue or a real timely thing that's going on right now. And so we still wanna believe, yes, we need to budget. Yes, we need to plan, but we are still people who should believe in miraculous provision. We could shy away because other people have messed it up, but we, we've got to do something. Tithing is a great representation of this concept, right? We, we sow in advance, believing that God will bless and produce a great harvest. Now, it's not just saying, oh, we're gonna give money here so that our paycheck goes up. Although that happens sometimes, really what we're investing in is for the harvest of righteousness. Can I tell you that there was a great harvest of righteousness at this church last year? As you're giving, as you're serving, as you're sowing into the ministry, last year over 300 people said yes to Jesus Christ in these services. 134 were baptized in water. 150 found freedom from things that have been holding them back. And I'm telling you, the best is still yet to come. It's good soil and there's a harvest that happens. But when we give, when we sow, we're believing that the harvest will grow. So when we give, when we sow, what we're saying is, God, would you do it again? Somebody made a way for us to hear the good news of Jesus. And so we're giving so that others will one day hear. And by the way, let me just say, we're saying this year, God, do it again financially. It was a great year. We got a board meeting tomorrow night, but, but Kingdom Builders, over $400,000 given to others so they could hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Just so you know, spoiler alert to the business meeting in two months. Uh, that's over 20% of every dollar at the church was given away to missions. Yeah, Praise the Lord. So that people who are far from God will hear the good news of Jesus Christ, receive his forgiveness, and also one day become a disciple of him. Amen? All right, number three, I gotta move on. I'm gonna skip the next page. Number three, God do it again relationally. God do it again relationally. The, the sub point there, I would say, this is something that he does around us, around us. The Bible says, so those who went off with heavy hearts will come home laughing with armloads of blessing. Now I know all of these verses are one contiguous idea. There's setting of scripture and 
The emphasis of these verses is all a financial increase in the people of God's lives. But I have lived long enough to know that finances impact other areas of our lives. And when there's a lack of finances, I've noticed an increase of relational struggles. Studies have shown that money problems, money fights is one of the leading causes of divorce. Now the truth is, just because you don't have money or do have money isn't a reason to get divorced, but it's not agreeing on it. So it's a problem, it's a, it's a symptom, it's not the real issue. But when there's a struggle with money, oftentimes there's a struggle with relationships. I'm sure you're strong and super saved and no problem, but mere mortals and other services struggle to keep their joy, it's probably happiness, but their joy when money is tight. All of us feel better with a little walking money in our pocket. When if we wanna get something, we can. We might not want to, but we could. Our kids will do that after they get their Christmas money. They're like carrying their money around, even if they're not gonna buy it. They still try to get me to use my money to buy what they want, but they like knowing I got money in my pocket. We all like a little money in our pocket. There's nothing wrong with that. But the truth is when we don't, it's naive of us not to think about how it will impact us relationally. Many of us can think back to times in our lives where we're worried. Is the car gonna get repossessed? Is, is the lights gonna get cut off? And we might look back at those times in our lives and think about, because not all of us grew up in Lakeville. You know what that means, right? Lakeville's doing just fine, but there's other cities where we grew up that it wasn't Lakeville. All of us can think back to times where we were maybe a little bit short. Our fuse was a little short with our spouse or our kids because we were worried, is something bad gonna happen? And, and it wasn't that we wanted to be mean to our coworkers or snap on our family members, but when we're worried about his stuff gonna get taken away, we almost can't help but just respond. It's just what comes out. And so I love here the imagery of those with heavy hearts. When you're struggling financially, it's very easy to have heavy hearts. Even if you want to be generous and you want to help other people, you're like, you become sad and some people feel guilty because they can't help somebody else. And that's a whole nother problem that, that things have created guilt for people's lives. If you can't help somebody, you can't help them. You got to figure out how to help yourself. But, but there's guilt associated with that. And people got heavy hearts. And this is what it's saying. The people who are going out to sow, they realize the moment they put the seed in the ground, they're going to have less. Like that's an important mathematical thing for me to mention as a pastor. <laughs> some, some people have been lied to and they're like, oh, as soon as you put in the offering, you got more. No, you don't. I don't know if you know how it works, but when it leaves your hand, you now have less. Now in the kingdom, you can have more. You can have more joy. You can have more hope. You can have more assurance because you're trusting God. That's where faith comes into play. But mathematically speaking, you now have less. That's what a farmer understands. They're taking seed they could eat and instead they're planting it in the ground. I've been to those places in Africa where, where they don't have enough food and kids are crying as the parent takes food off the table, seed, and plants it in the ground. Because they know if they eat this seed today, they'll have no harvest next year. Mathematically, when we sow, we have less, but it's, there is a belief that when we do what we're supposed to do, God will come through and one day we'll have more, that it'll produce a harvest. Yes, we believe in the kingdom of God, primarily of righteousness. We're more like him. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The number one demonstration of God's love for us was the giving of his best, his first, his only 
So there's something that happens in the spiritual realm when we have this physical act of just putting him first. And when we are believing that there's gonna be increase, but we know in a moment there's a heavy heart. Many have heavy hearts relationally today. And I know it makes sense, but I love this imagery that we go from heavy hearts to laughing. Um, but I, I understand that, that we struggle so much these days because we're inundated with negative information. We can't help, but if it's a news story or social media, we just hear about, I don't really know that more bad stuff is happening these days. I just know we hear about all of it, right? We, we hear about school shootings and we hear about hunger problems and we hear about fighting them. We just, every day, wherever we turn, we hear about bad. Well, no wonder we don't have any joy in our relationships. All we hear about is the, the negative stuff, but, but we're, we're gonna pray that God would do it again, that he would do something in our relationships that those who've gone with heavy hearts for a while will come home laughing. Yes, I believe with armloads of blessing. You know, most people will tell you that a greater blessing is having great friends than having a lot of money. Some of you are like, I'd like to try. I'll give you three friends up right now for a million dollars. I'll tell you who they are. Don't want them. Those aren't great friends. <laughs> those are life suckers from your, but I'm just saying, right? When, look at this armload of blessing. Let's be those kind of people that are able to come home with that. The psalmist said it this way, Psalm 71, 19, your righteousness, God, reaches to the heavens. You who have done great things. Who is like you, God? What's he saying? There's nobody like you. Though you've made me see troubles, many and bitter, you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up. You will increase and comfort me once more. You know what I think he was saying? I've been through a lot of stuff, but hey, Duth, God, will you do it again? I think this is so true. We need more honor and more comfort in our relationships than ever before. I can't help when I read this to think right to things that are lacking in our land and in our lives today. People are so uptight. Nobody laughs anymore. We don't want to smile. We don't, it, it's a problem. There's, honor has left. We have these problems. But I believe in spite of all of our problems, we can cling tightly to the promises of God. Amen? All right, I got to finish up and we're going we're gonna to pray. The band is working on coming back out and we're going to pray. It's a great promise. Maybe you've been like the psalmist. You've had lots of troubles. Maybe you've gone through bitterness and hurt, but God, he will bring you up again. I'm praying this year that he will increase your honor and bring you comfort again. Somebody say amen. I want you to know if you are going through some relational struggles before we pray, uh, we do have things that we want to help you with. As I mentioned, we're believing for spiritual things. If you need a spiritual breakthrough in your life, I hope you're participating in the prayer and fast, and I hope you make plans to be with us at prayer gathering. Like Those are just things. Pray with other believers. It'll help you spiritually. As we say, God, do it again financially. If there's a need in your life and you need help, reach out. We'll get you connected up. We'll help how we can and, and make way. If you've got relational struggles, I want you to know we have ministries that are designed to help you in the middle of your struggle. We Under prayer counseling deliverance, that, that overhead is this year. Now we've got three distinct categories. If you need inner healing, we've got that offering. If you need deliverance, we've got that offering. If you need marriage counseling, we've got that. In all of them, there's prayer, 
But also in all of them, there's, I don't know how else to say, like techniques or recommendations because there's realities that we go through in life. So we wanna make, there's premarital counseling as well. If you're like, I think I wanna get married or you're committed to getting married, we wanna help you with problems you do have or you might have in the future or problems you used to have, right? You gotta get free from it. Whatever it is, we wanna help you. So if you have that, you need to sign up and take advantage of those because there's a process to walk in wholeness, to process to walk in that freedom, and we wanna help you with that. But I believe walking those processes out is always, I don't know if easier is the right word, but I'll just say it so we can get to praying. It's always easier if those moments of walking out with other believers are followed or stem from a moment with God. You can save weeks, months, years of conversations in a few moments at an altar. I'm not saying one prayer gets rid of all your old habits and all your old struggles and everybody in your life becomes nice, but I'm just telling you in a moment. What am I talking about? I'm talking about going back to the the old things. I don't know what happened in some of our churches in our nation and Maybe we got too cute, too pretty. I always grew up going to the altar to pray. I would sleep through every one of my dad's Sunday night sermons. It was a long day. We had like three services and then Sunday night, my mom was the worship pastor. My dad was the senior pastor. I was young, we were there all the time. So I took a nap while he was preaching. But when he was done, my mom would wake me up and we would walk to the front and we'd pray at the altar. Why, I wasn't responding to the message. I was sleeping but I was meeting with God. That, that's the way I grew up. Parents and grandparents, I, I grew up learning to pray from other saints in the church. So we say, you know what? I've been there, I've travailed through the night. That's the first time I ever prayed for an hour. I thought people were crazy to pray for an hour until I was with Deacon Jones. I'm talking about returning to the old things. Hey, dude, God do it again. We see it in scripture. You've seen it in your life, I've seen it in mine. Let me just give you a couple of them. I already mentioned in Exodus, remember, God parted the Red Sea for Moses. They were running from the Egyptians, the Israelite children, and they were on their way. They came up to the Red Sea. They were in a problem. If they turned around, the Egyptians were gonna kill them. They had just been in slavery for hundreds of years. The Egyptians gave them money and they were like, that was a bad business plan, let's get it back. And they were running and they were trapped with an army behind them and a Red Sea in front of them. And the Bible says God told Moses to lift up his staff and God parted the Red Sea. The Israelites walked through on dry ground. God did it for Moses. And I believe the children of Israel would pray God do it again just a little bit later. I'll prove it to you, Joshua chapter three. Joshua chapter three, God did it again for Joshua at the Jordan River this time. The Bible says they came up, they were trying to get to the promised land. They were trying to get where God had a land flowing with milk and honey. They were trying to get to the land of blessing and there was another obstacle. It was different, but it was the same. It was a problem they couldn't fix on their own. Joshua chapter three. Now the Jordan River was at its flood stage during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water's edge and the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan while the water was flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. What were they saying? God do it 
Again, you did it for Moses, now do it again for Joshua. I got news, friends, he wasn't done then. Later, we can read in 2 Kings chapter two, Elijah was coming to the end of his life in ministry. He was there with Elisha. And the Bible says in 2 Kings chapter two, verses seven and eight, 50 men from the company of the prophets, 50 spiritual leaders were gathered around and they stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan River. Elijah took off his cloak, rolled it up and struck the water with it. And the water divided to the right and left and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. What were they saying? God, you did it for Moses and you did it again for Joshua. Would you do it again for me? And then the Bible says Elijah was taken up and he left Elisha on his own. So what did Elisha do in the next few verses? It says he went back and he picked up Elijah's cloak. Maybe we need to go back to the mantle of what worked before. I wonder if Elisha was around today, if he would have said, well, I can't do it the way my parents did it. I can't do it the way my grandparents did it. I gotta make a name for myself. Thank God Elisha just went back to what he knew would work. <laughs> Says he picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and he went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and he struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. Where is the one who did things for somebody else? Where is he now for me? And the Bible says, when he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he too crossed over again. What was he saying? God, you did it for Moses. Would you do it again? And you did it again for Joshua. And then you did it again for Elijah. But now I'm Elisha. My leader is gone and I'm in need as well. Would you do it again for me? The Bible says God did it. Again, that's the bottom of your notes. And now God, do it again. Many of our thoughts this week were shifted to a little town in Iowa called Perry, Iowa after another shooting at a high school. It's a little town. Most of us had never even heard of Perry, Iowa before this week. My heart was broken. On the first day back when kids would go back to school and I began to pray, God, do something new in Perry, Iowa. Then yesterday I got a text from my great uncle, my grandfather's younger brother, Phil Hasty. He gave me a text. Now, the Hasty family is the mom, my mom's side of the family. If you've been with us for a little while, you would know it's a long time Assemblies of God family. They helped start the Assemblies of God in 1914. My great, great grandparents, my great grandfather, he was one, but his parents said, you're coming. One year old shouldn't get a choice. You just go to church. That's what it is, all right? And I was reminded that in the 40s, my great-grandfather pastored in Iowa. And I began to think, oh, God do it again in that region. Then, then I got the text from my great-uncle, great-great-uncle, I guess, and he said, before he was a pastor in Iowa, in Sioux City, uh, in the 40s, he was an evangelist in the 30s, all across Iowa. I said, oh, I wonder if he ever made it to Perry, Iowa. He said, you know, coincidentally enough, your great-great-grandfather, your great-great-grandmother lived in Perry, Iowa. And it was from Perry, Iowa that they went to Hot Springs, Arkansas in order to represent their small town in starting the Assemblies of God. So God, would you do it 
Again, my prayer shifted from God do something new. Now, how can you make this kind of history up? Then he sent me another text. He said, the story doesn't end. He said, because I was wrestling with God, God do something new. Now God do it again in Perry, Iowa. My prayers changed because once I knew God did something before, now all of a sudden I'm just like, God, do it again. Whatever you need to do, do it again. Then I was also just thinking as we come to this time, as Elisa had shared that on social media, I was like, God, I'm just hungry for you to do spiritual things again, miracles again. And he sent me an article from 1922, a Christian periodical from 1922. I didn't even know they had printing things back then, but praise God, they did. In Perry, Iowa, they had a printing press, I guess. And my great-great-grandfather had gotten injured on the farm, broke a rib. They got word to a healing evangelist. And they said they sent a letter back with an anointed handkerchief. How many people have ever heard stories about this kind of stuff? By the way, it's in the Bible, right? Happened, but it says when the letter finally got to them, they didn't have Amazon Prime back then. It was not Prime now or then, but then he got the letter with the anointed handkerchief and my great-great-grandmother says she immediately put the letter and the handkerchief on my great-great-grandfather's broken rib in Perry, Iowa in 1922, 100 years ago. They didn't know what they were doing. They had faith that God would touch my great-great-grandfather's life. And in a moment, his broken rib was healed. So, so what are you saying, Pastor Derek? I'm just saying I want to go back to what works. I don't need it to be cool. We're laughing. Joey's gone up. No, Joey's right there. Okay, he leaned over. <laughs> Joey was telling me about Leo before the first service. We are in between service. Leo got a friend here and said, hey, have you met... The pastor, is he as cool as Pastor Josh? I said, no. <laughs> he said, no, Leo said he's not, right in front of him too, he's honest. But you know what I'm so thankful about our cool youth ministry? They don't really care about cool. Just the power of God. I don't really need it to be cool, I just need it to work. I don't really need it to have a cool font or alliteration, or I just need it to work. I don't need it accepted by everybody. I just need it to work. So this year, you're like, Pastor, what are, what are you doing? What am, I, what am I doing? I'm going back to what works. Yeah. I'm just going back to the old stuff that I've seen work. Listen, I saw him heal my own life, my own body. He's healed me of cancer, a stroke. I, I don't really need to hear anybody else's healing testimony to know his healing power is still for me. I've seen him come through financially in my family's life. Listen, uh, we're, we're so blessed now at this point, but there was a time in my parents' lives, I've heard them tell me stories growing up in my grandparents' homes. They would sit down to pray for meals and thank God for food that wasn't on the table. And then a knock would come at the door and somebody from the church said, Pastor, we were praying and God said, bring food by, we don't know, but here you go. I've, I've seen him come through. I've seen him come through time, so I don't need something new. I just want to go back to what's old. So for me, your pastor, you know what's old? Prayer. If it says it here, believing it, not being ashamed about it, not giving an excuse for it, not reasoning it away, just being like, well, that's what it says. <laughs> Probably what he meant. That's what I'm going to believe going back to what's old. You know why? Because it's what worked. But not just 100 years ago in Perry, Iowa, did it work. We go all the way back, thousands of years. It's always worked. When people will humble themselves before the Lord and pray, he'll always answer. 
He'll always forgive. He'll always come through. He'll always do what only he can do. So if you're able, would you stand to your feet here this morning? We're gonna pray. The team's gonna lead us in song. We're gonna make this whole place a house of prayer. And I'm just gonna encourage you. Let's go back to what's old. Let's go back to what, what worked. What worked? Prayer. So I'm gonna encourage you to step out, make a place of prayer at these altars, in the aisles, in the back, on the sides, at your chair. Let's go back to what works. And we know whenever we pray, he hears us and he comes through just in time. So Father, hear the cries of your people today. And we ask, do it again in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or the 10th time, reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at celebrationchurch.net. Thank you for listening and we'll see you again next week.